The following podcast is presented by Ensign Services, Inc., a company engaged in the business of providing contracted for administrative and back office type support services to post-acute healthcare clients. Ensign Services provides accounting, human resources, compliance, legal, risk management, information technology, training, construction support, and other such miscellaneous services to its clients. These contracted for services are available to be utilized at the sole discretion of its clients. References within the podcast to the company and its activities, as well as the use of the terms we, us, its, our, and similar terms used during the discussion are not meant to imply that Ensign Services, Inc. or the Ensign Group, Inc. has any direct operational control, supervision, or direction of the independently operated post-acute healthcare entities. So uh, this this podcast is going to be a little bit different. I'm here with Ryan Rushton. Ryan, good to have you here. Thank and, you, Clay. And we're going to be talking specifically to our frontline caregivers. And first, you know, we just want all of you out there to realize that we are thinking about you. We mm-hmm. we pray for you. We're, I don't know. I mean, you probably feel the same way, Ryan. I'm constantly yeah. wanting to find ways to thank them. Yeah, no, I, I, I noticed myself doing the same thing and, and people, other people at the service center that I talked to really thinking the same thing. Saying, what can we yeah, do? I, I've yeah. noticed in the world, you know, you've got buildings that are, are flashing lights and bridges and other things, turning their colors just yeah. to, to thank the caregivers. And, you know, you've probably heard the phrase before, trials build character. And mm-hmm. and it's, uh, it's, it's probably a truism. Um, I, I, I think to a small extent it is true, but I've come to realize that uh, a teaching that is more true mm-hmm. uh, and more important, and that is that trials reveal character. Um, yeah. Think about this. that okay. Trials, character is built in the everyday things that we do. And when we then arrive in those trials, we come to discover the character that we have built at that point. Mm-hmm. Imagine I play basketball and you could say that I get better playing basketball games, but the reality is that I get better practicing and working on fundamentals and, right. and developing the discipline to do those things. And then the game, the trial is where my character or what I've <laughs> built through, up is, right. is revealed, right. right? I mean, it's true in music. It's You could say this with an army. An army doesn't build its shields and forts and weapons in the middle of a battle. Mm-hmm. They prepare them beforehand so that they're ready for the battle. Mm-hmm. Your character has been built in in your showing up for work on time, in your acting like an owner, in, in demonstrating moments of truth. You've been developing your character in the little things that you do every day. And now today, we find ourselves in a great trial. Right. This this pandemic, uh, an unseen enemy, and and we're trying to show the world who we are. Ryan, remember the story that I told in the annual meeting of the elderly carpenter who was getting ready to retire? I do, I do. And he, he, he was, he told his employer he was, you know, excited to retire, spend some time with his family. He was going to miss his paycheck, but he knew that he could get by. And the employer was sad to see him go. So he asked, mm-hmm. could you build just one more house? Right. He didn't really want to do it. His heart wasn't in it, but he reluctantly agreed. Eventually, you could see the workmanship was shoddy and he had used inferior materials and it was kind of a sad way to end his career. At the end, the carpenter finished the work and the employer came to inspect the house and then and then the employer surprised the carpenter by handing him the keys and saying, this is my gift to you. Yeah. This is This is your house. The carpenter was shocked, but then he was sad. 
<laughs> why right? was he why was he sad Clay? i mean why, why do you think he was sad <laughs> right i mean he 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 realized that he had been cutting these corners if he had known that he was building his own house he would have done it all so differently his decisions would have been more precise his effort would have been greater he wouldn't have cut so many corners now he had to live in the home he had built yeah and that's sort of like the situation we're in now, right? I mean, may, maybe we didn't realize that this pandemic in the world would, would ever come, but it's here, and now it's time to show what we have built, who we are. We've been preparing ourselves to dignify long-term care in the eyes of the world and to do our best to provide care to the most vulnerable among us. And today, more than ever, the world needs our caregivers. You've been building your house, and and now it's time to show what your house is made of because the storms are here, right? The, yeah. Your character has been built. Your whatever analogy you want to use, you're in the battle, you're in the game, you're at the concert. It's now time to see what you are. And I got to tell you, Ryan, I, I'm sure you've seen a lot of similar things. I've seen amazing things out there. I, I don't know if you know the story in Draper of the the patient that was on hospice and and uh you know that they they have all these temporary restrictions so they weren't able to see their family and i guess this uh this mother was devastated because she wasn't going to be able to see her daughter get married yeah and the staff rallied around it have you heard this i, story? I have heard it yes yeah, staff it's rallied around and they were able to put this wedding together and this this woman sat proudly in her bedroom she was able to watch out the window because she still had to stay isolated and watch her daughter be married and then i mean you can imagine not being more <laughs> proud for this mom and then two days later this patient passes away wow. But but she passes away happy. Yeah. The signs that that we've seen on the front of buildings praising the heroes that are that you know the heroes work here every day placed there by the leaders who who just feel like their team is their family and they're watching them put in in danger's path. An HR resource who who became a CNA so that she could go down. She works as an HR resource during the day and now is working the night shift as a, C as a CNA in San Diego. Did you know about yeah, that story? Yeah, I, I, I also heard, heard that one. It's just, it's, it's inspiring to hear, hear people willing to put in that level of, of sacrifice to, to take care of our residents and, and work arm in arm with, with their you know, fellow CNAs and caregivers. And at a scary time, I mean, with this virus going around, you can say, well, you know, as an HR resource, I'm not to go in the buildings. They're saying, hey, let me take on this certification so that I can join you in this battle. I, I, there's one facility I saw there. They're trying to connect their residents with their loved ones. And so they've created message boards. They, they bring the message boards around to the residents. They take pictures with the residents that have written a message to their loved ones. Then uh, they take that picture. They send it to the family members. The family members are loving it. The people are crying left and right, <laughs> just so grateful for these messages. I mean, you've seen uh, uh, care packages for families, food supplies donated to staff, hearts for healthcare workers posted all over facilities, parades. Have you seen these parades on the news? I, I did. Uh, the one specifically on the news that they that they showed. It's just incredible how people are are coming together and finding a way to connect these people. You know we. This doesn't just happen. I think our frontline workers have built up who they are, and now it's game time, yeah. and we're seeing 
what they become and and really it's good it's good to see what what they become you know a lot of our caregivers out there are struggling with fear and anxiety Um, these are unprecedented times with so many things that fall into the unknown and, and that can be really scary I think it's really important for our caregivers to know that they are not alone that they're part of a family of caregivers that that can share their experiences with one another learn from one another and and eventually be shown to the world as the heroes that we already know that they are but this trial is simply revealing you know what what we believe we've always known for that reason i, I i've wanted to uh um, we've got some of our caregivers on the phone here and and wanted to talk to them as they've been on the front lines of this battle just like many of our listeners that are listening here today that sounds great Okay, so the first person we wanted to talk to today is we have Mindy Tippins, who's a, a licensed nurse from, if I understand this right, Mindy, you're a licensed nurse from Utah, and you volunteered to go spend a couple weeks up in Redmond, Washington, uh, during during the height of the outbreak. And and um, before I ask you any questions, Mindy, I, I think I want to speak on behalf of a lot of people that are listening right now. And just sincerely say thank you for being willing to be there on the front lines of this battle. I, I know so many in the world are are nervous and scared and to know that there are people that go in harm's way to help deal with this crisis. On behalf of so many listening right now, I just wanted to start by saying thank you. Oh, thanks, thanks for that. Yeah, I, I, I let me ask you this. What... What possessed you to want to do this? I mean, you're you're coming from Utah, and you're you're in a. I mean, every place is is scary, but but you went to Washington, which was a very scary place, certainly at the time, and and still now, at kind of the height of this of this virus. What? Why were you willing to do that? What possessed you to do that? Well, honestly, I was listening um, back and forth with and chatting with some of our clinical market leaders, but. Um you know, what was going on and, and what it what it meant, uh, not only for the building in that market, but that they had a, a new uh, DON, relatively new DON, uh, a seasoned nurse, to be sure. Um, yeah. And I felt immediately sympathetic to what she might be going through and wanted to help. Hmm. So, so I mean, I'm assuming she was feeling quite overwhelmed getting into this situation, and and what kind of gave you that confidence to to go up there and help? <laughs> Were you scared? Well, I, I've got so many questions, Mindy. No, no, that's fine. I'm glad you're asking, and 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 fear is was definitely there, um, but it was tempered um, with wanting to do something to show love and support, um, and know that I I. I I know I could add value in some way uh, to that building, whether it was acting as a CNA or trying to get my license squared away so I could help nursing or if it was infection control rounds. I knew I could be of value in some way when when things were, you know, really tough. And they had been in the thick of it by the time I got there, I think three weeks in and and, uh, and Emma, um, the DON, had not taken any time off, uh, hmm. not one day. And and so I, I just wanted to be there and see what I could do to help. So just a support and a, a comfort and some confidence. And, and, and like I know, so many caregivers are working around the clock and they're tired. And uh, again, our, our heart goes out to them. We're, we're just so grateful for people willing to, to do that. 
are the were the staff up there scared? Are are there are there common fears or misconceptions of working in facilities right now that that uh, you you could speak to? Oh, absolutely. You know, I I feel like you know the first thing is is the fear of I'm going to get it or I'm going to take it home. Right. And 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 I appreciate that, and those thoughts certainly crossed my mind as well. Which but is probably even is, more just them being afraid to take it home. I mean that 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 is right. that's that second fear that is is huge, I would think. Absolutely. And you know, if you give that kind of fear too much space in your brain, it takes it can take, you know, a direction to massive anxiety and you know, something that, that helped me, right, is to really compartmentalize. I feel like we need to be informed and we have so much news coming at us all the time through, you know, network news and funny memes and, right. you know, uh, social media. And you could really park this kind of information and live with it, you know, during all your waking hours. But I compartmentalize it and I allow myself a little bit of time and space to be, you know, kept up to date and so relevant um, with the information that's being put out there. But that's it. I step away from it so it doesn't occupy a lot of my time the second thing is when it comes to fear of this in our setting we're the most regulated most most regulated or second regulated industry i think in the nation i've heard that somewhere right if i'm wrong next next to nuclear <laughs> so, power plants <laughs> yeah so that being said you know there's some there's some safety in that um, our hmm. operators our market leaders our service center uh, resources are as in the know as any other level of care could possibly be, including, you know, hospital level care, home health, you know, all of the different continuum care, um, lines of care. And what felt really good to me is that I know that that building was on the phone getting what they needed at least twice a day, probably more. And I just was unaware uh, from the service center and making sure that the needs were met. And I know that they're operating in that space very consistently but beyond that because we're so regulated we know how we know how to manage this and if if you step into it with strong infection control practice understanding and knowledge and you keep that with you you know your chances of getting it are as likely out in the community when you're grocery shopping or you're sharing space if you're not being really great and aware with social distancing as it is being in a place where you know it is and you're being really cautious. Yeah. Yeah, you I, I like how you say that. You arm yourself with information and and uh you learn all the data you need to learn and you you stick to the fundamentals. You wash your hands, you don't touch your face. You if you stick to these basic things that that you're talking about, you're you're just likely to be okay and and uh, at the same time you're you're able to take care of those that that aren't okay and what what uh what do you want to say to caregivers out there who who may be contemplating not showing up to work or, or not going back to work the next day uh, that, that are caregivers in a lot of these facilities? What's your, what's your advice to them or what do you want to say to them? Um, you know, fear is healthy and I feel like it keeps us assessing, it keeps us sharp, it keeps us responsible, um, and it keeps us asking the right questions. And so there's nothing wrong with stepping into fear here a little bit because it allows you to self-protect and be aware. 
but what you know if you take that to how can I how can I use fear to my benefit and because I was very aware of the risk in providing care I got to take care of um, a resident who wanted a Sudoku puzzle and wanted to, to play a puzzle who was in isolation. <laughs> I got to help a nurse uh, get caught up when she was really behind in her med path. I got to provide end-of-life care for a couple of patients, and I also got to um, really support the staff with just things that they didn't have time to do. And those little acts of kindness day-to-day in a building, regardless of what your role is, they go a long way, and they matter, and and more importantly, that's who we are. And I've really enjoyed learning what it is to be an Ensign-affiliated resource and support, because loving one another, you couldn't have a better opportunity. Oh, I love that. Thank you, Mindy. I I, I like that you're—I I sort of expected you to say, don't be afraid, it's okay, And I, but I like how you're saying, you know what? A little bit of healthy fear is is good for you, and use it to keep you on your toes and and keep you vigilant and 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 keep you safe. And I, I think if we just listen to these things, that I mean, we know that we're going to turn out okay. Uh, but during the battle, it can be scary, and and uh, and and just grateful that that people like you are willing to be out there and face your fears and and help us come through the other end safely. Uh, thanks, Mindy, for your time. We really appreciate talking to you. Thank you. Okay, so I'm here now with uh, Lynn Emery on the phone, and and Lynn is a clinical market leader in Washington. Uh, she's been visiting our Redmond facility. Our, our Redmond facility was really kind of one of the first facilities to have issues with the virus. They've had, they've had 40 plus cases in the past month. Um, but, but great news is that only one CNA has had to call off from, from testing positive, uh, which is a pretty incredible record considering all that's been going on up there. Lynn, how have the staff been able to avoid contracting the virus in this Redmond facility? Well, one thing they've really done is really good hand washing, and they started wearing eye protection really early on. The nursing assistants are really being judicious about their PPE um, and all their hand washing. And just one clarification, we've had a couple other folks have some time off, Yeah. Um, but one has tested positive of all of our aides. Um, so they really are heroes at this time. You know, they really love the residents, and they feel like in this time it's just crucial that they be there. Um, one of the reasons is, too, because the residents can't have their visitors right now. Right. And so it's a really hard time for our residents. And so any of our staff that can, you know, continue to come to work, even though it's a bit stressful, um, and really be there for our residents and just really follow the simple things that we all learned in training with really good hand washing and PPE and just really being committed to that team and keeping our residents safe, I think is something that has been very successful at Redmond. See, that's so amazing to me to, to think that the, there is there are so many residents that have contracted the virus that that it's spreading throughout and yet just by keeping these simple disciplined practices of washing their hands and and uh, wearing the PPEs and and uh, you know not not touching their face all the simple infection control disciplines and that you're able to have that record I also love how you point out that 
you know, you as employees on the front line, and I, I, I have to tell you my heartfelt thanks, and I, and I hope you bring this thanks back to, to all the frontline caregivers. You are all that they have at this point, which it's probably such a scary time for them, for the residents, and to know that you're willing to put yourselves in harm's way uh, to protect them and to be with them. Uh, just on behalf of so many that are listening right now, uh, I, I want to express our, our thanks to you for, for what you're willing to do. Um, what, what are you seeing out there, Lynn, that, that gives you hope in the middle of all of this kind of this unprecedented turmoil? Well, I was I was just going to share some things that some of those staff have told me that they're doing. Yeah, please do. Um, you know, just making sure they're getting enough sleep, staying really well hydrated, taking their vitamins, zinc, vitamin C, um, and also getting fresh air. We noticed that if we just left the building, took some deep breaths, went outside for a bit, um, it was also helpful. Um, some have also talked about limiting time that they're watching the news and the media. Hmm. It, it doesn't help to hear what's going on in another state or another country. Um, you know, it's not, sometimes if it creates more anxiety, it's not really a help. Yeah. Um, and the hope really is, I mean, our staff were pretty scared at first because four or five days before we were told that one of our residents may have been exposed at a community clinic, um, a facility just across town hit the news right. and, you know, many of our listeners may have seen that. Um, I think over maybe 50 or 60 staff, um, had tested positive at that facility. Wow. And so, you know, it was scary for our group. So there, uh, they were just really committed to keeping the residents safe. Um, they communicate a lot. If they have a question, they go straight to their nurse or their leader, their nursing director, administrator, um, because we're all going to have questions. Right. And so I think if we can admit we have a fear and then go and talk it out with someone, I think that's also helpful. Not just kind of working down the hall in a silo and just kind of telling yourself, you know, I know I'm going to get sick, but maybe doing the opposite and just really staying positive. Um, that we can get through this, and a lot of staff don't get sick, and a lot of residents don't get sick. And so I think just really staying positive and, and talking things out and, and being feeling in a safe place to share any fears that you have uh, with your coworkers has been very helpful, too. That's an amazing contrast to have a facility, if I, if I remember right, just, just 10 or so miles away, uh, having that number of staff that are contracting the virus and yet in your facility that also, you know, has the virus amongst its patients that only one has tested positive, that's pretty incredible that what sticking to the fundamentals really does, that, that you, can, you can really find safety in your discipline. Is there, Lynn, I, I want you to picture the, the caregiver, the CNA, the, the charge nurse, the, you know, whoever, the housekeeper that's afraid to go to work the next day. Is there, is there anything that, that you can say to them that would help them, you know, as somebody that's been on the front lines of this battle for so long, what, what do you have to say to them? Well, there's probably a few different scenarios for that. You know, we did have a couple employees, um, a little more advanced in age with maybe some medical concerns. Uh Um, and they talk with their doctor and, and just feel that they just couldn't be in the building at that time. Um, and they went and talked to the administrator and HR and 
you know, we want to make sure that we're hearing every employee where they're at and taking care of everyone individually. And so, you know, if folks are feeling like that, they definitely should come and talk about it and, you know, and set up a plan so that we can have coverage and they can be, you know, wherever it is that they need to be. Other folks wanted to know how much PPE we had and, you know, that that PPE was coming and, you know, I just want to say uh, of the organizations I've worked in, we're just really being taken care of here on the front lines. Mm. All the folks at the service center that have just worked countless hours getting us supplies and just making sure that we have what we need and disseminating all the stuff from CDC and helping us know, you know, what what process to follow. Um, but we are in healthcare. We all signed up for healthcare, and so. I know that it's been a challenging time, but it can also be a very pivotal time, um, and it can be our time to really shine. Um, I think in long-term care, we have the frail residents, they're the very highest risk in our society. And with our training, um, we can stay safe, and we can help many of them stay safe. Um, And I just, I love the staff that wanna really make the residents have some quality of life that day. These residents have been pretty much confined to their rooms for over a month without their loved ones coming in. Right. And so anything the staff can do, they bring little things for the residents, um, they sing to them, uh, you know, just really trying to give them a reason to live too because they're sitting in their room watching the news. They see their staff that they know well wearing goggles and masks, so they can be fearful as well. And so, I, I feel like the staff at, at Redmond have really put their focus on the residents and taking care of them in this difficult time and, and of course, keeping ourselves safe, too. Um, but just really giving those residents a reason to live and get them through this crisis so, you know, we can get back to letting their visitors come in and, and get back to kind of a normal life for them. That's well said. I, you know, keeping that discipline to keep yourself safe, but always remembering that you are these residents' world. They wake up, and all they look forward to that day is relationships. And to all the frontline caregivers out there, you are their world, and we're so grateful. What a what a great world you are to them. Thanks, Lynn, for being willing to talk to us. Yes, thank you for everybody and everything you're doing. We'll get through this. We will. Thank you. Yes. So, Ryan, you know the book Great by Choice by Jim Collins. Have you read that one? I do. Jim Collins. And he tells the story of Roald Amundsen, right? Mm -hmm. Roald Amundsen is the explorer who, in 1902, led the first expedition to reach the South Pole. Uh, Amundsen's team showed incredible discipline in their approach, marching, remember, 20 miles each day. Have you heard of the 20-mile march? The 20-mile march is ringing a bell here. Yeah, so what they do is their rule was on good days and bad days, they were going to go 20 miles. And if it was a good day, they'd get there easily, and then they would rest. If it was a bad day, they would push through it, and they would go 20 miles. And it it was this disciplined approach that ultimately led them to success while other less disciplined teams failed and froze to death. We just heard from these nurses that said, we are preventing the spread of this virus amongst our employees because of their extreme discipline and wearing the PPE and, and the hand washing and, and not touching their face. But, but that wasn't all for Amundsen. It wasn't just about the 20-mile march. Amundsen was fanatical in his preparation. Hmm. 
He spent years prior to his expedition preparing his body and his mind. He did anything. You'll love this, Ryan. He bicycled thousands of miles. So right? that, that sounds like the proper kind really of preparation. That's what strong people do, I, right? I, I think I, I would agree. That's I would agree, right. Clay. You're a little biased there. <laughs> but he, but he, here's another one you probably haven't done. He learned to survive on raw dolphin meat. Well, that's that's that's, def- that? that's that is definitely good preparation. Intense preparation. He went to live with the Eskimos and he learned how to dress and move around in sub-zero conditions. Amundsen's preparation was what taught him how to make the twenty-mile hmm. marches, which in turn led to his triumph. Antarctica didn't make him strong. I mean, I'm sure it strengthened him a little bit, mm-hmm. but he was already strong because he had been preparing for that great trek, and that's. What's going on with our caregivers right now? You, the listeners, you are already strong. We trust you to be on the front lines of this battle with this unseen foe. And now it's time to demonstrate to the world who you really are. You know, I want to finish. I I love this story. One one of my heroes is is Winston Churchill. And I I think there's so many things that made him instrumental in in getting England through, through World War II. Um, one of them that I, I can just mention is is he set up the statistical group, and it was all about him getting raw data, him knowing exactly how many buildings were on fire, how many people died, void of politics, just the raw information so that he could make the best decisions. And it might have scared him a little bit, mm-hmm. but as we've heard some of our nurses talk, communication is key and making sure that, that everybody has the information they need to know. But another interesting thing about uh, Winston Churchill that not a lot of people know is that because he's such a great speaker, it actually took him three years to complete the eighth grade. I, I, I wasn't aware of that. He struggled. And the, and the, the class he struggled with? Was English, which was, <laughs> I, I was kind gonna, of ironic, I was, right? I was going to guess you were going to say something like yeah, English. Yeah, it was his speech. most difficult subject. and But years later, he becomes this, this famous leader, a great orator, and he's speaking at Oxford's commencement. He's giving the commencement address, and everybody's really excited to hear him speak. He gets up, and he's got his, his stereotypical cigar, his top hat, his cane. He strides up there. Everybody goes silent. It's Winston Churchill at the microphone. He looks at them, and finally he looks and says, never give up. It's silent. And everybody's saying, wow, what a great introduction. Where's he going from here? Where's he going to go with this? Where's he going to take it? It's silent. Once again, and he says he goes on the balls of his feet. He Mm -hmm. stands a little bit higher. He looks at everybody and slower and a little bit louder. Never give up. Puts on his hat, grabs his cane, grabs his cigar, and walks off the stage. (laughs) These people that have just graduated from Oxford, this is the message he wanted to give. Hmm. Never give up. That's awesome. I think this is the message that we want to make sure that all of our caregivers have. Never give up. This world needs you. You were put where you are in this time for a great purpose, to help heal and bless the lives of those, to be the world for those that, that you are serving and those that you serve with. Uh, you've been preparing to dignify long-term care in the eyes of the world, and today the eyes of the world are on you. So please never give up. Bring dignity to this industry, because if not you, who? And if not now, when? The world needs you now. Thank you for your discipline of never giving up. Uh, I just My message for you is that, that the world and we here are grateful for you. 
Yeah, I'll just add, add my thanks in and appreciate everything every one of you are doing to, to help take such amazing care of our, our residents and, and each other during during these times. So thank you. It's very inspirational. Thank you. Thank you.